Thank you, Scott Shannon, and thanks to all of you for being with us. Toll free, our number is 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program, we will preview our latest trip to the border for tomorrow. Uh, That's coming up in the course of the broadcast. Uh, We'll be down there with President Trump and the governor of the great state of Texas, Governor Greg Abbott. We have a lot of immigration news. We'll update you on that situation with our friend Congressman Andy Biggs later in the program today. Uh, Roger Stone checks in with us today and much, much more happening. I, you know, I, I've been watching what's been happening down in Florida near Miami and what is it? Sunnyside, Florida, Sunnyside, Florida. And I'm sorry, not Sunnyside, Surfside, Florida. Thank you for correcting me. Um, and I've been watching this and it's so heartbreaking. Linda, you watch this. I'm like, oh my gosh. You know what it reminds me of, and this is very, very sad. But when the Twin Towers came down and people waited and searched in the rubble, hoping for signs of life, hoping to find their loved ones, you know, and put up these missing signs. And, you know, it's it's just heartbreaking. It it reminded me of the exact same thing, obviously, because people always want to take what we say out of context, not on the same scale. No, not at all. But just a building collapses, you know, your family was in it and you're like, they survive. And then and they're tra- and people are just hoping and, and, you know, the fight to hear even just a little glimmer of hope that there's somebody in there still alive that can be rescued. And with each passing day, the prospects of of that get dimmer and dimmer. But I'm I'm very grateful and thankful that a lot of people won't give up. They're not giving up. They shouldn't give up. Um, and you hope that that we might be able to save all their lives there. And I know everybody is trying their hardest to make all of that happen. And I, I hope they're able to successfully do that. Um, and I'm and I'm watching this. And then, I, you know, you hear that this engineer warned them in 2018 that this this building is in horrific shape. And I know that apparently there's 12 million dollars to fix the structural issues with the building. And I guess they were coming up on a, a a check, and they were allocating. They have all these condominiums have these condo boards, you know, a bunch of bored people usually that have nothing better to do with their lives than harass everybody else that lives in the building. Sorry, that's how I feel about them, you know. Or these people that sit in these country clubs, you know, and you know you have to. I, they have nothing better to do than to, you know, do a the deepest dive vetting of, of any person that ever steps foot in their most prestigious little country club. Um, I'm a little I'm a little tainted as of late, considering I'm canceled so often in New York. But whatever. That's neither here nor there. Um, and anyway, then I'm, then I read this today and I said, this can't be possible. But it, apparently it's all true. And it has to do with the energy secretary of Joe Biden, Jennifer Granholm, suggesting that it's possible that climate change led to the the condominium collapse down in Florida. She's on fake news, CNN, this this horrific morning show that nobody watches. Anyway, if uh, if climate change uh, changes impact on extraordinary tides played a role in the condo collapse. Graham said, we don't know fully if it did or not, adding that the beaches all around are seeing the phenomenon of rising waters. Obviously, we don't know fully, but we do know that the seas are rising. I mean, 
We know that we're losing inches and inches of beaches, not just in Florida, but all around. You know, Lake Michigan, where I'm from, we've seen the loss of beaches because the waters are rising. So, you know, this is a phenomenon that will continue, whether we will have to wait and see what the analysis is for this building. But the issue about the resiliency and and making sure we adapt to this change in climate that means levees need to be built, seawalls need to be built, and that means infrastructure needs to be built. I just happen to know for a fact, considering I've owned property in Florida for, what, almost 20 years, that that Florida is, is, is very, very aware when there's erosion and has incredible policies in place um, to refurbish the beaches there. Now, if the if the mechanical engineer saw the structural damage to this building in 2018 and warned of the severity of the damage and and pushed hard to get this thing repaired and they didn't listen. And now it's 2021. uh, How do you blame that on climate change in any way, shape, manner or form? You know, it's it's just like this whole follow the science, follow the science. Well, now the science of the Cleveland Clinic. Linda, correct me if I'm wrong. I've, I've always thought that there are certain medical institutions, uh, MD Anderson for cancer, Sloan Kettering for cancer, NYU Langone for, for just about everything, including now cancer and, and a lot of other great programs they've got. There are so many good houses, so many good hospitals in the country. Um, all of them do amazing jobs. They all try their best, but some have incredible reputations. So you would think, and correct me, Linda, if I'm wrong, doesn't the Cleveland Clinic have the reputation like the Mayo Clinic, like NYU Langone, like, like Sloan Kettering, like MD Anderson. It's one of those. It's very, very well respected. Yeah. hundred percent. Very well respected. Now, two weeks ago, they said, yeah, if you had COVID, you don't need the, you don't need the vaccine. I thought we were following the science here. Apparently, we're not following the science anywhere. I mean, it's so frustrating. Los Angeles County is now recommending masks indoors because of the Delta variant, regardless of vaccination status. Now, is there any indication that they haven't told us about? Because I keep seeing Joe and Jill Biden and Nancy Pelosi. They're still wearing masks. Indoors and outdoors, and I'm scratching my head, and they keep wondering why there's vaccine hesitancy and that the rate of vaccinations among Americans has decreased significantly. And and there's this outreach to get people to get the vaccination. Well, it, why are you wearing the mask then? Why are we firing people from jobs if they make in consultation with their doctors after they do their due diligence and their their research based on their private medical understanding of of whatever conditions they may or may not have comorbidities pre-existing conditions uh yeah that's not for you know dr joe biden to tell us at this point everybody knows that the shots are available you have the two mrna virus uh, uh vaccines which is Pfizer and Moderna, the more old-fashioned method is Johnson and Johnson, J and J. And the question is, if the vaccine hesitancy, it's coming from them. You know, Delta variant is forcing officials to rethink COVID measures, even for the vaccinated. 
WHO urging masking for vaccinated in, in a split with the CDC. I mean, countries now are beginning to lock down again because of the Delta variant. I thought it was over. Senator Cruz called the calls for the CDC to follow the science, scrap airline mask mandates before the 4th of July holiday. A judge found a Canadian pastor guilty of contempt for holding worship services. And an other pastor has been his jail sentence has been extended. I mean, they don't want to talk about that. They, they hid the whole issue of the of the origins of COVID-19. And I'm just trying to understand why. What are they not telling us? Because they said if you got the vaccine, it's, it's over. So then why are you firing people that just make a decision different than yours as long as you're protected? None of that makes any sense. By the way, uh, President Sippy Cup now, it's not just Sean Hannity that is pointing this out. Now we got the late night comedians, and they're now picking up on it. Kyle Smith is a great writer with the New York Post as a column out today. Because it's getting obvious now with every public appearance by President Sippy Cup. And I say Sippy Cup because Joey has the lightest schedule of any president in modern history. Less than one scheduled event a day. That's it. I mean, it, he obviously was beginning to, to completely break down after the G7 and, and the Putin. I mean, it was becoming an unmitigated disaster. Ending in Joe. I already got. $1.9 billion. I mean, part of it makes me laugh. Another part of it scares the hell out of me. You know, Kyle Smith says on the rare occasions when Biden's staff let him out of the, the, the day room to be seen on camera, pre-selected members of the press ask him the gentlest conceivable questions and then wind up cringing anyway as Biden gives one unnerving display after another. President Xi, Vladimir Putin, they're, they're watching these press conferences. He says probably, in all likelihood, giggling uncontrollably at their good fortune. Suddenly the world sees the greatest power is in the hands of a slightly dazed-looking fellow who seems like he's always just waking up from heavy anesthesia. And then he goes on and says on Thursday, Biden three times bent over and, and taking care to set his his eyes to crazy whispers into a microphone as though he was auditioning to play a stalker calling from the inside, uh, from inside the house to terrorize the babysitter in, in, in a 1980s TV movie. You know, I got them 1.9 trillion in relief so far whispering. In, I wrote the bill on the environment. Why would I not be for it? This is just getting strange. You know, it's amazing as we watch now the whole radical new green deal socialist agenda collapse uh, as it should on the merits. And now it's just a matter of what they're going to ram down our throat with the Senate parliamentarian. We'll let them get away with even the New York times. And I have zero respect for the New York times, but they're complaining that radical white liberals are leading the democratic party over the cliff. Now, it's really the new Green Deal socialists. The fear is among AOC and the squad. But the Times thinks much of the recent political energy in the Democratic Party has come from solid liberals, active on social media, protest movement, anti-Trump resistance, playing major roles in presidential campaigns of Sanders and Elizabeth Warren, as well as the rise of the squad. 
Uh, all six of those House members, notably, are people of, of color, as are many prominent progressive activists that have fed a perception among some Democrats that the party's left flank is disproportionately African-American, Hispanic, and Asian-American. The opposite is true. Black, Hispanic, Amer- Asian-American voters are to the right of white Democrats on many of these issues. It's like now the, the infighting has started here. Hollywood celebrities are now rushing to help Democrats end the filibuster after uh, the election takeover bill failure. Because it's a failure. You know, this, um, you know, now we have a president of the United States taking the side of this woman, this Olympian, what's her name, Gwen Berry, who turned away from the flag during our national anthem. Joe Biden, you know, respects the right of people to protest. I, I, I don't didn't respect it at all. I found it extraordinarily disrespectful. Do I does she have the right to do it? Yeah, yeah, she has the right to do it. Do I have the right to not watch the Olympics? Yep. And I will exercise my right as I see fit. Just like I stop watching so many other sports because I'm tired of them politicizing everything. All right, as we uh, roll along, Sean Hannity Show, 800-941-SEAN. WAPO, Washington Post, not that I have any respect for them, nailing Biden for Pinocchios on the Second Amendment. Everything in that statement is wrong when he's fact-checked over the dubious statement he made about the Second Amendment. You know, from the day it passed, it was the it was limited the type of people who could own a gun and what type of weapon you could own. Uh, no, Joe. Does he even know what day of the week it is? Now, what's what's fascinating here, and we, we've got something fun we're going to play on TV tonight, is the White House is doubling down on their lie that that it's actually Republicans that support defunding the police. I'm like, Republicans, the, the Democrats all summer long denied rioting, you know, cops being pelted with bricks and rocks and Molotov cocktails. I mean, are you kidding? Frozen water bottles. And then knives and guns were involved in way too many incidences. And then, of course, the arson at police precincts and city blocks taken over. And then Kamala's funding the the bail fund for the people of Minnesota responsible for that behavior. And Joe said nothing about it at the Democratic National Convention. Instead of standing up to the radical defund police activists, now we even dismantle the police, uh, endangering law and order and safety and security for every American citizen for the purposes that you might then be able to pursue happiness. But if you look at the cities that are defunding the police, let's start with New York and then go to Philadelphia, then go to Washington, D.C., Baltimore, Los Angeles, San Francisco, Minneapolis, Seattle, Portland, Oregon, Oakland, uh, California, Austin, Texas, Hartford, Connecticut. Oh, hardly conservative bastions in the country. And Democrats, they're getting some bad news as Americans are waking up because Americans have figured out when you look at the Harvard-Harris poll, which I'll get to in more details, yeah, they're dying on the issue of defunding the police, uh, on, on the economy, on inflation, on jobs, on energy. Yeah, people are beginning to wake up that this is phony. And one report, yeah, minority voters reject these far-left policies. More next. 
All right, 25 till the top of the hour, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. So, all right, so now the Democrats, they, they want to double down on this lie. And it's a lie. And that is, it's really the Republicans that are, are the ones that, they, they're the ones that support defunding the police. I, I It is such a spectacular lie. You just have to ask yourself, you know, where does this come from? Well, the, it comes from the polling. And if you look at this poll, Harvard-Harris poll that was put out by Axios, what have we learned? Oh, on the issues and the messaging in the Democratic Party, yet defunding the police, open borders, reparations are the biggest turnoffs for both independents and, and voters in general. That's their agenda. You know, this whole idea, I mean, 80% of, of American voters believe in voter ID so we can have integrity in elections and signature verification and chain of custody controls so both sides get to monitor that there's no tampering with ballots. I mean, this, this is so rigorous that we're going to refer to it as Jim Crow 2.0. And then you add, okay, we update voter rolls to, to keep keep them up to up to date and honest. That's that's such a burdensome thing or most states have statutory language allowing for partisan observers to observe the vote count that that that's so onerous on the American people. I mean, you compare the laws in Georgia, they're far more inclusive than the state of Delaware. I mean, what nerve of Joe Biden? They don't have 17 days early in person voting in, in Delaware. They do in Georgia. They don't have one day of in-person early voting in Delaware. You know, they, they don't have any drop boxes in Delaware. They have a drop box in every precinct in Georgia. You know, both you, you don't need an excuse in Georgia to vote absentee or vote by mail. You do need an excuse to do so in Delaware. And they get away with it. Then you focus on the economy. And then you focus on, oh, we're paying a buck twenty-five more per gallon since Joe Biden becomes president. Then you look at Joe Biden and he gives a waiver to Vladimir Putin. Vladimir Putin is not a friend of the United States. He's a hostile actor. Like President Xi, a hostile actor. Like the Iranian mullahs, hostile regimes. Like Kim Jong-un, like radical Islamic terrorists. And, and, and well, what, one thing that, let's see, Russia, Kazakhstan, Ukraine, and China have on the Bidens is, oh, zero experience hunter made a fortune. I wonder if Hunter's last name were Trump, if he get the same consideration. It's unbelievable. This was in the blaze today, um, a report that, African-American, Hispanic voters are rejecting these radical far-left policies like defund the police. Well, of course they're rejecting it. Why wouldn't they reject it? They're rejecting it because they want safety and they want security. It's, it's pretty unbelievable. Linda wants to talk about this, this case of this Olympian athlete. Uh, what did she come in third place, right? And she this you know so offended by the national anthem, claiming that she was told that, well, I I heard I wouldn't have to go out until the anthem had been played, and then turned her back to the flag and put a shirt on her head. Look, I'll, I'll give anybody their freedom of speech rights. I make my living with freedom of speech, 
But the more they politicize, I don't care if it's Major League Baseball or the NBA or the NFL, all it's doing is taking one of the most unifying events, which is athletics and and people's shared passion for a team, a home team, for a sport, and they're just alienating people and dividing people at a moment when people might normally be high-fiving strangers and talking to the people in front of you and the people behind you and the people on the side of you. If your team is doing well, what did you want to add? Go ahead. Feel no, but free. That's, that's not add. exactly what I'm talking about here. First of all, what are you, talk, what are you talking Gwen about? Gwen Berry is representing the United States of America. That's correct. So if they play your national anthem when you're out of the country celebrating your country's win, you won bronze. And then what's not being discussed, and Ethan actually brought this to my attention, and it's an excellent point, is that she's sucking the air out of the conversation about Deanna Marie Price who broke records, you know? I mean, this woman, you know, had the hammer throw. I'm reading this from NBC Sports. You know, she was the 2019 Hammer World By the way, I wouldn't want to do the hammer throw with you. Somehow I think the hammer would end up in the back of my head by accident. Listen, I am not athletic at all, so I wouldn't even blame (laughs) that on anything else. It depends if you take your CB distillery, you know, happy pills. Anger put aside. I am just not an athlete. I am not. Oh, oh, we never knew. You don't even know what an end zone is, but go ahead. That's true, and I have no intention of finding out. You know, I have plenty of people around me to help me with that, like Katie and Ethan, et cetera. But I'm telling you, like... This girl is breaking world records as Deanna Price. And she needed one good throw. She made the second Olympic team, you know, and no one's talking about it. Nobody. And and, and she shattered records. You know, shattering it is a world point. records. But I'm gonna tell you what it does. And I don't support boycotts. I don't I don't cancel anybody, support canceling, but I make my own decisions. There is a reason that television ratings for all of these leagues the MLB, NBA, NFL are down as low as they are. And it's down because people are fed up. They go to sporting events to get away from it all. They don't want the lectures. That's why I thought it was so cool to watch the Islanders. And it was an amazing series against Tampa. And they lost the final game, game seven, one zero. But when they play at the Nassau Coliseum, now for the last time, you know, the crowd loudly and proudly took over the singing of the national anthem. I really believe if that caught on, it would be a very, very strong message to the cancel culture, um, woke Americans that are offended by everything crowd that people have had it.
Chris is such a great, spontaneous moment. And, and I've got to believe going forward, Islanders fans are going to now do that every time. And I hope other fans and other sports do the same thing. And I think people have had it with the taking of the knee, had it with the lectures, had it with the I'm not coming out of the locker room. I think they've had it. Sports is, it, we're taking the most unifying event, a shared love, a shared passion of a team, and we're, 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 we're just ripping people apart for no reason at all. And if athletes do have a cause that is near and dear to them in their hearts, they could take to social media, they could, they could do interviews, they can ask their many fans to support them in whatever the effort happens to be. There's an appropriate place for all of that. Now, look, if uh, it's up to everybody else. All I know for me is it just turns me off, and I'm just like, I'm, I have no interest in it like I used to. I much prefer now college football over, over football in the NFL. Although I did get intrigued by, let's see, Tom Brady versus Drew Brees and Tom Brady versus Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady in the Super Bowl playing for Tampa instead of New England. Hey, boss, can I mention something else really, really positive? You can. Go ahead. Since we're in such a positive you place can. right now. Yes. So, um, you know, we've been talking about this World War II veteran who served over 50 missions in World War II. Yeah. And, you know, he's just this amazing human being turning 100, DT. So his birthday uh, happened, and he received over 1,135 birthday cards from our audience. That's so cool. He got a personal letter from the Mississippi Governor, Tate Reeves. He got Hale Roche, Commander-in-Chief of the veteran of, of Veterans of Foreign Wars, and Congressman Michael Guest, who flew a flag over the Capitol building in his honor and then flew that flag to him for his birthday. The wow. Dunwoody mayor gave him the key to the city. The Dunwoody Police and Fire Department's first responders Dunwoody all came over. Dunwoody in Georgia? Mm-hmm. Very cool. I mean, just amazing, right? It's just such a good feel. Oh. We're so happy that our audience gave back no, to him. We have the best And we have a story up. We're going to put the pictures up so you guys can see um, all of this. That's cool. It's just awesome. It's a great story. AOC, leader of the squad, is saying this is nothing but hysteria, New Yorkers' crime concerns. Now, last year was a record year. Murder rate is on the rise. We had a Marine shot over the weekend in Times Square. This is, this is not hysteria. You know, 70 people shot in Chicago this weekend. I think we're the only show ever to scroll the names of all of the people shot, all of the people shot and killed, and all of the law enforcement killed in the line of duty. Now over 135 officers this year alone killed in the line of duty. This is not hysteria. This is what you get with defund the police, dismantle the police, and allow people free reign to trash the police. Defunding a billion dollars from the NYPD is a dumb idea. No bail laws in New York, another dumb idea. Yeah, bank robbers thinking. Governor Cuomo and the New York State Assembly and, and Senate, because they'll rob one bank, they process them, they let them go, they rob another bank. They process them, let them go, and rob another bank. I don't know. I would imagine at some point, you know, somebody's risking getting hurt un under that scenario. 
Uh, there is another poll. This was in the Epics Time, the Harvard-Harris survey once again. Two-thirds of Americans believe that children should not be taught in school that the United States is a structurally racist nation dominated by white supremacy. Now, are there ignorant people that are racist? Yes, there are. There are. I want nothing to do with those people, as most good people do not. Most people find racism repugnant. And to teach this and indoctrinate our kids is unconscionable. You know, kids don't need to be taught this, especially in New York schools. On average, we're spending 27 grand per child in school, more per capita than any country in the industrialized world. And you have schools in New York with only 6% of kids with proficiency in reading and math. There are 13 public high schools in Baltimore. Not a single kid, not one, is proficient in math and reading. How do you fail at that spectacular level and get to keep your job? Well, I can tell you why. It's this unholy alliance with teachers unions and the Democratic Party. Teachers unions, they get money from their rank and file. They funnel it to the Democrats during election season. They get elected, and and as a result, they get to write the COVID regulations uh, through the CDC like they did as soon as Biden became president. Oakland, Democrats defund the police. And guess what's happening in Oakland? Crime rates are going through the roof. They diverted $20 million from law enforcement out there. Crime is more out of control than it's been in in decades. Does that surprise anybody? It doesn't surprise me. Does that surprise any of you? It's not funny. You know what? If you can't have confidence that you're safe and secure... And then, and then add to that, they want to take away your right to the Second Amendment. Now, my question is, what are you going to do? Who are you going to call? What if, God forbid, somebody breaks into your house and wants to harm you and your family? What are you going to do? Now, I have plan A. I have plan B, plan C, plan D. I know what I will do. But if you're going to call the cops, even under the best response times possible, whatever was going to happen is probably over by the time they get there. Not that they're not trying to do their job. Although I, I talk to many in law enforcement and they feel they can't do their job anymore. They feel like they've got the handcuffs on them. Because, you know, look at how the cops are treated in all these cities now. They don't want to do their job. Now they want to take indemnification away from police. Well, that's not going to work out well because every criminal ever arrested will sue the cop. Then the cop will be responsible for hiring the attorneys to defend themselves. No cop will be able to do their job ever. You have millions of people coming into our country. We have no idea who they are. Joe Biden is doing the exact opposite as we did. His policy is to make illegal immigration as easy as possible, instituting catch and release, ripping apart our asylum agreements, ordering a stop and like, did you see this? A stop order. Any contractors here? Do you ever get a stop order? We had the biggest stop order the world has ever seen. We stopped finishing the wall. We stopped working on the wall. Our administration, it is important to be clear, is working to build a fair and a functional and a humane immigration system. We feel very strongly about that. 
And as you know, we inherited a tough situation. Um, in fact, right here in El Paso was the, 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 the launch of the child separation policy. You saw it as it rolled out on the ground in real time. Um, we have looked at a, a, a system where um, people have been housed in inhumane conditions over the last many years. Um, an asylum system that has been broken and that needs to be reconstructed. What I would do as president is several more things because things have changed. I would in fact make sure that there is, we immediately surge to the border. All those people are seeking asylum. They deserve to be heard. That's who we are. We're a nation that says if you want to flee and you're fleeing oppression, you should come. I've made it very clear. Within 100 days, I'm going to send to the United States Congress a pathway to citizenship for over 11 million undocumented people. And all of those so-called dreamers, those DACA kids, they're going to be immediately certified again to be able to stay in this country and put on a path to citizenship. Should someone who is here without documents, and that is his only offense, should that person be deported? That person should not be the focus of deportation. I would hold ICE agents accountable if, in fact, they stepped over my executive orders, which is no arrest of anyone outside of the school. So how do you no. change the culture? You change the, the culture by saying you're going to get fired. You're fired if, in fact, you do that. You only arrest for the purpose of dealing with a felony that's committed. And I don't count drunk driving as a felony. Uh, should undocumented immigrants also be able to get subsidized health care? If they are working in the United States of America and they are paying taxes, they should have access to health care. Do you have to say quite clearly, don't come? Yes, I can say quite clearly, don't come. And what we're in the process of getting set up, don't leave your town or city or community. So you support giving universal health care, Medicare for all, to people who are in this country illegally? Let me just be very clear about this. I am opposed to any policy that would deny in our country any human being from access to public safety, public education, or public health, period. Immediately on January 20th of 2021, I will first of all, we cannot forget the, our DACA recipients, and so I'm going to start there. I will immediately, by executive action, reinstate DACA status and DACA protection to those young people. I will further extend protection for deferral of deportation for their parents. I will also immediately put in place a meaningful process for reviewing the cases for asylum. I will release children from cages. I want to be clear to folks in this region who are thinking about making that dangerous trek to the United States-Mexico border. Do not come. Do not come. The United States will continue to enforce our laws and secure our border. All right, that was, well, the flipping, flopping, flailing of both Joe and Kamala and the full invitation to people to not respect our borders, our laws, our sovereignty as a country. And, of course, Donald Trump rightly pointing out Biden's failure at the border. Uh, A little preview of what will be on Hannity tomorrow night as we go down to the border yet again. We've been I've been everywhere from the Rio Grande straight across the southern border to San Diego. I've mentioned this many times. I've been out on boats. I've been in helicopters. I've been on all terrain vehicles. I've been on horseback. I've been there when 
when gang members were arrested. Uh, I've been there when families from Central America were entering the country illegally. Uh, I've seen the drug warehouses. I've seen tunnels dug from Mexico into the United States. I've seen it all. And Kamala Harris basically went for what was nothing but a pretty much a photo op with no real dealings of what's going on at the border. Now, we do have some other news that is broken. Uh, we'll be with also Governor uh, Greg Abbott from Texas is going to be with us. And he has now made the move to block the Biden border plan to house illegal immigrants in Texas. They've been building these cages for kids in the middle of a pandemic. A high rate of kids testing positive for COVID in the middle of a pandemic. And then, of course, in the dark of night, we now know the federal government has been been shipping and transporting illegal immigrants into every state in the country. Uh, that means these states now, they don't they don't have the ability on their own to enforce federal immigration laws. Now they're responsible for food and water and shelter and health care and education, uh, which is putting an enormous amount of pressure in terms of the sheer numbers of people, the amount of resources necessary. And Governor Abbott now you know, plans to revoke the licenses of any shelter that continues to serve migrants under age 18 beginning August the 31st. He's now put aside $250 million towards building the wall. A growing number of other states, they've now decided to to defy the Biden administration and their lawlessness and their open borders policy. And they're now moving to secure America's southern border on their own. And uh, the Republican governors of South Dakota, Iowa, now joining Governor DeSantis in Florida. They're all sending law enforcement personnel to the U.S.-Mexico border to help these states out. And that comes after the governors of Texas and Arizona asked all the other states to help with the ongoing border crisis. They're asking for additional manpower. And in large part, it's in the state's best interest because a lot of these illegal immigrants are illegally being aided, abetted and transported to their states. They can't afford what this what this unfunded mandate. How is it that Joe Biden and Kamala Harris pick and choose what laws they choose to obey and not obey? We have a process. We have a constitution. We have the rule of law. You You don't get to ignore the laws you don't like. I don't like laws on high taxes, but I pay my taxes. I don't like laws on low speed limits, but I I go the speed limit. And then the idea that you take it a step further. And then not only are you not enforcing the laws, you're aiding and abetting in the law of breaking. It's unbelievable. Anyway, so that'll be tomorrow night on Hannity, 9 Eastern, President Donald Trump at the border. I'll be with him. I'll be with Governor Abbott and others. Uh, Congressman Andy Biggs, he's with Arizona's 5th District. Uh, He was very outraged at the photo op of Kamala Harris in El Paso on Friday. I mean, she's not going where 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 she was most needed. This was a photo op. She didn't go down to the actual border to see what was really going on, talking to the rank and file that are trying to do their job every day. Uh, Congressman, welcome back. Hey, Sean, it's good to be with you. And I'm, I'm so glad you're going to the border with President Trump tomorrow. Uh, you've been down there many times. I've been down there many times. And for for Kamala Harris to act like what she did was meaningful at all is, is an embarrassment. And the media that, that's letting her get away with that is shame on them because, like you said, they're agents. 
there are ranchers, there are businesses, there are individuals and families that live along the border that are impacted directly every day, and she didn't bother to go see them, much less to go into some of the more overcrowded facilities and to see people where there's where there's some real problems, whether it's the drug smuggling or the or the families coming in or the human trafficking. Well, I mean, this is another problem too because of the high numbers of of people that have been crossing in the border and just simply being processed because the Joe and Kamala got rid of the stay in Mexico policy that was working. They stopped border wall construction. Uh, they gave a whole new definition to bringing back catch and release. It's just catch, process, and and provide transportation to any state of your choosing, I guess. So now it's now it's incumbent on the states to have to deal with this problem that they're facilitating. Um, I don't know, Congressman. I, I thought we were a nation of laws. I didn't. I didn't think a president of the United States and a vice president would be facilitating this high level of law breaking. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. They, they, in fact, Sean, they're facilitating to the, to such a degree that if you go to one of the transition centers, it will say they call it a welcome center. They're, we're transporting people who are in the country illegally. People with it's gotten to the point there are people that have been actually removed from this country or were staying out through the Mexico, uh, remain in Mexico policy. We are now trying to find them and invite them back into the country where they are illegal. It's illegal for them to be here. And this, this administration is one of lawlessness and it merits a real consideration on on um, maybe an article of impeachment, quite frankly, because they're not adhering to their, their constitutional obligation. They're ignoring it. They're putting Americans at risk and at danger, and they're wiping out our sovereignty and ignoring the laws. They are, should be held accountable. And right now, um, certainly the left-stream media is letting them get away with it. Uh, I, I think there's no doubt. Imagine the—and we watch these cages— and people say, well, they're not cages, Hannity. I'm like, what do you call them? I mean, they're not cages in the sense that they, they're they using fencing, but they are cages in which kids can't leave. They're, they're overcrowded. They're all on top of each other. None of them are tested for COVID. I mean, it's become a health you know nightmare for everybody down there. And then they're not, not even tested and then transported to other states. And now we have, you know, we're bringing COVID into the country without any health checks whatsoever. But the bottom line is, why is it impossible for state governors to secure their own borders and deport people immediately? Why, why are they not allowed to enforce the law if, if Joe and Kamala refuse to enforce the law? Well, primarily because um, the Constitution has been interpreted by the courts to say that's a federal deal to, to deport people. But there is a provision in the Constitution that talks about invasion, and that's what's happening here. And that's where people uh, like Governor Abbott, uh, they recognize that what's happening. When you, when you have 180,000 people a month coming at your, across your borders illegally, and that's just who we apprehend, they understand this is an invasion and they have to take action. So they're taking action every way they can. We see it in Arizona as well, where, where they're enforced, trying to enforce state laws. They're trying to uh, find funds, and, and, and guess what? Uh, they're using some of that COVID uh, money that's just got poured into the states, and they want to use that to, to finish the fences. And guess who's opposing that? The Democrats. So 
Uh, I, I applaud uh, Governor Abbott and the others who are who are looking for ways for the states to enforce state law um, and and prosecute people because that right now this administration will do nothing. They will change no policy uh, whatsoever uh, except for to expedite the logistics arms of the of the human smuggling cartels. All right, quick break. More with Arizona Congressman Andy Biggs. 800-941-SEAN is our number. Quick break. Right back. We'll continue. I feel very strongly about that. And as you know, we inherited a tough situation. Um, in fact, right here in El Paso was the, 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 the launch of the child separation policy. All right, as we continue with Congressman Andy Biggs is a preview of our trip to the border tomorrow. So now, while all of our resources are being focused on just processing the, the, the what, 25-year record number of people coming into the country, by year's end, we're, we're on a pace to, to be higher than the last 25, 30 years of illegal immigrants entering the country. Uh, that then leaves an open path for, let's see, drug smugglers, human traffickers, sex traffickers, uh, that they basically have, you know, carte blanche to do anything they want because there are no available resources to do their regular jobs anymore. That's right. We've stressed them out. And, and, and that's exactly what the cartels want. They want us. They want to have our agents so busy where you're taking 60, 70 percent of your agents away from the borderline and actually putting them into uh, care facilities and, and processing because it can take eight hours to process some of these people. And, and you get them off there, and they're going to traffic in all, the, uh, like you say, drugs, sex, and humans. And, and think of it this way, Sean. We've had, for instance, unaccompanied minors. We are uh, just about 80,000 unaccompanied minors this year. And that is that is just by far, I mean, multiples over the highest ever. And um, and then you throw in the, the family units that are coming in. And uh, they're coming from diverse countries. That is exactly the diversion necessary to give us the record amount of drug trafficking that we're seeing. So we're, we're, we're interdicting large amounts of drugs, but we, we only estimate we're getting 10 to 15 percent of all the drugs coming in, and we're uh, stopping record amounts. So it's, it's all working to undermine the fabric of the United States of America. You know, well, I don't see any good coming out it uh, uh, coming out of it at the end of the day. Uh, Congressman Biggs, we'll always love having you on. Thanks for being with us. Thank you, Sean. Good luck tomorrow. All right, thank you. We'll be at the border with President Trump and Governor Greg Abbott. Eight hundred nine four one Sean. If you want to be a part of the program, all right, twenty five to the top of the hour. Toll free on numbers eight hundred nine four one Sean. If you want to be a part of the program, it is uh, obviously. Not been exactly the best uh, number of years for Roger Stone, who we're going to bring on the program here in a minute. Um, You know, imagine you have the Horowitz report, and in that report they make referrals, and the referrals were to investigate and likely charge high-ranking officials within the FBI of what's known as a process crime, and that would be lying to Congress with specific examples stated And it doesn't happen. Well, that's the very thing that that brought, let's see, nearly 30 guys in tactical gear, frogmen, guns drawn, pre-dawn raid. And just to add a a cherry on top for the for the deep state, you had fake news CNN cameras there to record the whole thing. Now, Roger, of course, we 
we know how his story was unfolding. Then they wanted to put him away for life, pretty much. Uh, it got particularly even tougher for Roger Stone as his wife of many years has been diagnosed with advanced stage cancer. Um, and uh, I sent him a note and said that uh, his wife is in our thoughts and in our prayers, and I mean it. And uh, he joins us now. How, how's your wife doing? Well, she's in excellent spirits. Um, she's got a very tough road ahead of her, but she's uh, she's a Christian. Uh, she's optimistic. She's always been the fighter in our family because, as you know, Sean, she's a Cuban-American. Uh, well, very well, hang on a second. What do you principled. mean she's the fighter in the family? Because you, I mean, you and I were not always, did not always get along. And when, when you ripped my head off, you were not shy about it. Um, uh, again, I'll, I'll explain that to you another time. But, uh, <laughs> okay. Look, look, nobody, nobody was a more eloquent advocate uh, for fairness in my trial, fairness in my entire situation. You were one of the earliest people who recognized the frame job. Uh, any misstatement I made to Congress was irrelevant, immaterial, hid no underlying crime, unlike McCabe, Comey, Brennan, Hillary. So, yeah, we have, two, we have a, a two-tier justice system. The Daily Beast yesterday reports that they're torturing members of the Trump family over the financing of the inaugural, really talking, relatively speaking, like a small amount of money, when Hunter Biden has a $200 million stake in the Chinese investment fund where his partner is the Chinese Communist Party. Please. <laughs> well, it's even deeper, Roger. It's a $1.5 billion deal. I see no prior experience for Hunter in, in the, that field. Why, why such a deal wouldn't go to, you know, prestigious financial firms like Goldman Sachs and Deutsche Bank? I don't know. He went on Good Morning, in a, Good Morning America, admitted he had no experience in oil, gas, energy, or Ukraine. But meanwhile, he's getting millions of dollars from Ukraine. We know his dad, as vice president, you know, leveraged a billion taxpayer dollars. Then it's Kazakhstan oligarchs, Russian oligarchs. Uh, you got a, a Chinese national giving Hunter a $100,000 shopping spree. And if you lied on a gun application and you dumped a gun in a dumpster, I don't think you'd be uh, on the on the streets today, Roger. Well, they, they would lock me up for spitting on the sidewalk. I mean, the, the bloodlust of the left since the president had, uh, you know, the, the wisdom and the courage to answer my prayers because I prayed fervently to the Lord to deliver me and my family. And he has. And I am grateful. And I believe he will deliver my wife from the scourge of cancer as well. So to the millions at this point, Sean, of, of people around the globe, group from Israel called. We had a, a, a prayer chain by telephone. Can I just point something out? Those, Something has really happened to you in your life. And in the process of covering, you know, for three years on this program, Roger, we devoted almost every day unpeeling the layers of the onion. Everything we reported has now been proven to be true. And I will tell you, during that time, as you know, I would seek information from every source imaginable, you really have gone through a very deep and profound conversion in your personal life. I don't know if you want to talk about it. You don't have to, but if you're interested in it, I, I was interested in hearing about it. Well, uh, you know, uh, you told me about your reaffirmation to Christ a couple of years ago. Uh, and I remember thinking about it. I'm, I was born a Catholic, had all my sacraments as a Catholic, but, you know, in my wild Washington days, I, I wandered, uh, and uh, I'm a sinner, as we all are. Uh, but when I finally got to the point in the Mueller investigation in which I could see 
that my situation was hopeless, that the judge would not allow my lawyers to mount any kind of cogent defense, would not allow us to enter exhibits we wanted to enter, that the jury forewoman had been attacking me and the president, but me specifically regarding the case in which she herself had been selected as a juror and had those Facebook and Twitter postings on a private setting during the jury selection in the trial, uh, and that the prosecutors, as we learned on election night 2020, when the Justice Department was forced to release the last remaining redacted section of Mueller's report regarding Roger Stone, in which he admits that he never had any factual evidence of my communications with the Russians or WikiLeaks or, or any involvement in Giants Podesta's emails, and he further concluded that even if he had found such evidence, which he didn't, it wouldn't have been illegal. So they destroyed, they tried to destroy me and my family over a strictly politically motivated case. And time came when I was so depressed and so angry and so fearful about what would happen to my wife uh, that I took the advice of uh, Reverend Franklin Graham and Reverend Randy Coggins and Pastor Mark Burns and Bishop Leon Benjamin and, and Reverend Daryl Scott and so many, and Father Grady at my own church. Uh, to re-embrace the Lord, to confess my sins, and to get the whole weight of the ordeal off me. I knew in the end, Sean, uh, this kind of happened in October before a January trial, but at that juncture, I became a different person. I was calm. I was confident because I believed. And I knew God would, as as uh, uh, Franklin Graham told me, he will deliver you, he said. He will protect you. He will not abandon you. But you must pledge to walk in his way. Franklin Graham was exactly right. I've not, I've not been saved He's once. A good man. I've been saved three, three times. One, when the president commuted my sentence, because they, in violation of all the Department of Justice and, and Bureau of Prisons' own rules, they wanted to put me in a COVID-19 infested prison in rural Georgia, where prosecutors insisted there were no COVID cases, but the, uh, the prison guards' unions called them out and said there were over 200 that were being hidden. So the president saved me by commuting my sentence. He saved me a second time with a full and unconditional pardon just before Christmas. And then I know the left hates this, but on January 6th, I never left my hotel grounds. Don't know anything about what happened. You know, I, I, I heard that some people were bringing your name up in regards to January 6th, and you never left your hotel. You never went to the rally. You never went to the Capitol. Why are people making that false charge? Uh, well, if you and you know this, having been uh, prominent uh, in the media for many years, you have uh, through the course of your day, you have your picture taken with hundreds of people, thousands of people. Quite President often, Nixon once, President Nixon told me one time, "Never turn down a request for an autograph or a photo because if you do, and they get back to Pocatello, they tell everybody you're a real a hole." And I've always remembered that. So I, unless you're hostile, I always take a picture. But does that mean that I have a responsibility to know the name, past, present, and future, each person photographed with me? No, not possible. So you so weren't there, but, but you wanted to set the record straight. Explain exactly what, what, what you wanted people to know. Yeah, it's, it's very, very simple. They try to use guilt by association to make some link. So whenever I came to Washington for my trial and... The judge ordered me to every pretrial motion, which is unusual. Meant I had to travel to Washington and just sit in the courtroom and be berated. Uh, 
I used off-duty D.C. police officers to provide security for me and my family. There's a lot of nuts out there, as you know. Uh, and Washington, D.C. is enemy territory. Uh, but I, I, And that is perfectly permissible. They're allowed to work in that way. Uh, but then, as uh, the events on the 5th and the 6th, I had invitations to speak at two legally permitted events on the 5th. You can go look at my speeches on, on YouTube. I never call for violence or lawlessness. Not once. Well, well, the president said these words, too, that nobody else seems to want to recall. I mean, he said it loudly and clearly that many of you will now peacefully and patriotically march to the Capitol so your voices may be heard. He didn't tell anybody to go, you know, break into the Capitol. And, And now we know from evidence that has been gathered over time that there was some pre planning in place by individual groups. We now know that. There were numerous requests by the Capitol Police Chief and others, uh, including the White House. Mark Meadows has brought this point out many times uh, to have the National Guard uh, at the Capitol on the ready and prepared just in case, because there was a large crowd marching to the Capitol. That would be you would think that would be standard operating procedure, Roger, in my mind. You know, look, I think there are still a few journalists in the country. As you say, journalism is dead. There's a handful of real journalists. Uh, Darren Beatty is one of them at Revolver, who I think has done superb work starting to poke holes in the official narrative of the fake news media about January 6th. I suspect we're going to learn a lot more about it. We continue our final moments with Roger Stone. You know, I, I I really don't know anymore if I have any faith that any of this matters. You know, you talked about a dual justice system. I talked about I, I no longer believe we have equal justice or equal application of our laws. The Horowitz report is but one example. There are many others that we can bring up. You know, all of the people in New York that were caught rioting, caught involved in throwing bricks rocks bottles molotov cocktails at cops uh those caught uh with video evidence and pictures of people looting and and committing arson and the decision has now been made not to charge a single person how does that result in anything more than more more law breaking well i mean look at tony podesta lobbied for ukraine without registering the exact crime paul manafort was convicted of when is Tony being indicted? The prosecutor in my case, the prosecutor who took off, uh, who took over my case when the four prosecutors resigned in protest because their totally fraudulent sentencing memo trying to put me away for nine years was rejected under their own guidelines. They were, they were giving me extra time for stuff I didn't do, Sean. It was unbelievable. Uh, but uh, you, you, have, uh, you have all of those people who I think uh, need to be particularly vocal in this area. I've talked to people that have told me their story, and I don't want to. I want to. I don't want to divulge the name or the spe- the specifics that I've been told. But I work my sources. I'm a member of the press. I do it as often as I can. That literally, they were being told if they say A, B, C, and or D, that they'll get a get out of jail card free. 
but A, B, C, and D, the options they were given were lies, and that they refused to lie to 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 get out to get their get out of jail free card. Now it's got to be pretty if you're facing jail, which is a pretty horrific future. Uh, it's got to be tempting to say whatever they want you to say to get your freedom back. But there are individuals that will in time be telling these stories of very specific instances about offers that were being made to them that if they would say certain things about certain people, that they would be set free. Now, that's that's kind of scary. I don't think Sammy the Bull Gravano would have killed, what, 19, 20 people or whatever the number is. You know, he, he got a get-out-of-jail-free card, got in the Witness Protection Program for testifying against Gotti. I'll give you the last word on this, and then we got to break. And, and given to him by the ethically corrupt Andrew Weissman, by the way. Does that sound like justice to you? Because if you're a murderer, I think you'd pretty much say anything to get out of jail, right? Absolutely true. Look, they tried this on me. I was charged in January in that stunning pre-dawn raid. In July, they called my lawyer to Washington and Jeannie Ree, who would work for Hillary Clinton on the email case, a conflict of interest, screamed at my lawyer, a D.C. jury will hate your client. My lawyer said, the jury hasn't been selected yet. She said, don't worry. We have a list of 29 phone calls uh, between Stone and Trump. All he needs to do is, is admit that these had to do with coordinating with the Russians in WikiLeaks. And we'll ask the judge to go easy on him. And I had a two-word answer, and you can guess what that was. Uh, I think so, I can guess. I know you, I've known you well enough over the years. Listen, in all seriousness, all of us are praying for your wife. Cancer, to, they half kill you to save you. Um, uh, so our thoughts and prayers are with her and uh, that she gets well fast, okay? Thank you so much, and I, I saw your tweet on it, and I appreciate that as well. All right, appreciate it. Roger Stone, 800 Sean, you want to be a part of the program. News Roundup Information Overload Hour is next. All right, News Roundup Information Overload Hour, 800 Sean, if you want to be a part of the program. You know, we pointed out for many, many years on the radio, and it really sucks that this happens, but it does. People that want power, they'll say and do pretty much anything in in their, you know, an insatiable appetite. This this quest they have to be called congressman or senator or governor, whatever. And it's sad because it's predictable. Every two years, every four years, Republicans are racist. They're sexist. They're misogynist. They're homophobic, xenophobic, Islamophobic. I guess now we can add transphobic. But now it's becoming a pretty much of on an every issue basis. If you're against Georgia's voting law, which is far more inclusive, it, it provides so much more opportunity for people to vote than Joe's state, Joe Biden's state of Delaware. But Joe will say that, oh, this is Jim Crow 2.0. No, it's not. And. Now people more than ever are fighting back. There is a new film that has come out, and it's uh, caught the interest of a lot of people. I haven't seen it yet, but I'm looking forward to watching it. Uh, let me play a, a part of the trailer from this. It's the Great American Race Game trailer. Listen. Why do it? Why take the knee? Who are you bowing to? Oh, I vow, I'm not racist. You're basically telling these Democrats you submit to their agenda and you bow to their agenda. I will never bow, and I'll encourage anybody else. 
don't bow. The Democratic Party somehow has convinced black people that they're the good guys, never mind the skanky history of the Democratic Party. That was a party of slavery. There is a whole big uh, cottage industry for racism. If racism went away, a lot of people would be unemployed. The mob during the Minneapolis riots following the death of George Floyd, a bunch of white thugs, frankly, burning down the city's traditional black and Asian business district while chanting Black Lives Matter. It was literally surreal. Black, you gonna tell me how to be black, right? Y'all don't care about black people. I am not African. I am 100% American. Y'all the same Democrat party who been terrorizing black people from the beginning. And now y'all got the audacity to say black lives matter? Their bread and butter and their bottom line, their raison d'etre and everything that they're trying to do depends upon people being kept in these boxes. You know, we have talked at length on this program and on Hannity, going back to when Biden was vice president, Barack Obama's hometown. Why don't we know the names of all the people shot? I think 70 people shot in Chicago this weekend. 70 people. I mean, it's month after month, week after week. Do we know the names of the people shot? We never know. Unless, of course, it could be politicized. Anyway, the great America race game, it's... uh, now gotten a lot of attention from a lot of people it features uh friends of the program people we've had on like larry elder and and bob woodson um the director british film director martin durkin is with us uh and bevelyn Beatty is a christian activist who stood up for the police in new york city uh and defaced what was the the blm mural uh, remember, the group Black Lives Matter, very different than people that were chanting Black Lives Matter. The group that said, what do we want, dead cops? When do we want them now? Pigs in a blanket, fry them like bacon. Anyway, they talk about this in, in this new film that's gotten a lot of attention. Uh, uh, Martin, we'll start with you. Tell us a little bit about the film. Well, um, the, uh, 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 I decided, well, I asked a friend what films I should make about America, and he said, don't make one about race and don't make one about guns. So I've done both. Um, and the Guns and Freedom is coming out of the weekend, which I'm sure you'll love, Sean, because I know your work so well. Um, and, uh, and this is the film about race. And um, I was spurred on to do it because it just felt that something wasn't quite right. I was looking at the, you know, the, the George Floyd um, incident, and there seemed to be, um, you once wrote about the joyless politics of the left, but in this incident, they seemed rather disgustingly full of joy. There was something really cynical and sinister about their reaction to that event. Um, so that spurred me on to look further. Bevelyn, let me talk to you about it. Um, when you stood up for the police in New York City, which, by the way, is a majority-minority force, and I, I know you got a lot of pushback. Tell us about that experience. And, and I often point out, you know, why did Joe Biden, that partnered with, with the former Klansman, who filibustered the Civil Rights Act of 64, the Voting Rights Act of 65, Joe Biden stood against integration of public schools, was against school busing because he didn't want public schools to be, quote, his words, racial jungles. Why does he get a pass? The reality is, while they were painting that, quote, unquote, mural, and I really see it as graffiti, and they were pushing this Black Lives Matter narrative 
through, you know, uh, bashing the police and removing the police because the police are racist and uh, the right is racist and all of these things they were pushing, black people were really dying in the streets. So for me, looking at it in hindsight, I'm like, this is strategic. I mean, they're saying, you know, black, you know, uh, police are being tar- black people are being targeted by the police while there's violence in our communities. Crime has went up 200 percent. And we're dying in the streets, and yet they're still screaming Black Lives Matter, and de Blasio has security right in front of the Trump Towers to make sure that this mural isn't touched, while right over the block, right in Brooklyn, uh, we're dying left and right, babies are being shot. For me, I've seen this as, uh, it was a finesse. It was a middle finger to the black community, and I've seen, once again, we were used uh, to push a narrative that really doesn't benefit us, and we're dying in the streets, and we're so blind by culture and by what what they're pushing, we can't see what's going on. And I just felt like I needed to make that voice known, the truth known, you know? Democrats have been shocked that majorities in, in numerous polls now of minorities in America support policing. And I and I and I, and I, and I don't even think this is a, a, a race issue. Every you cannot pursue happiness, and I'll, and and Bevel and I'll ask you if you you can't pursue happiness if you don't have law and order, and safety and security. Rudy Giuliani, you know, dispatched his police department to the areas where the the most amount of violence and crime was taking place, and the murder rate went from nearly three thousand a year down to three hundred. Lives were saved. And, and when did it become controversial well, if to say all lives absolutely matter? I believe we're all endowed by our creator. All of us created by a creator. The same creator. The reality is, Democrat Party, they need an issue so that they can stay in office, okay? Um, as long as there is an issue, they can still push this narrative that they're the solution to the issue. And the reality is, the only way to really get white liberals on board, you can't just tell white liberals you need the help. They're not going to go for that. You have to tell them these people need help, and they need you, right? So obviously there's crime in our neighborhood. The issue really isn't the police. The police are policing the issue that we have, but the underlying issue is there's violence in our neighborhood, there's crime in our neighborhood based off of welfare, based off of all the things that the Democrats pushed through Lyndon Bain Johnson right after civil rights. And so now we're looking, basically the black community is a test dummy to what socialism would look like as a whole if America took it on. Because we took it on, and I'm not saying the black community as a whole, but especially in the inner cities, the black community has taken on government as their daddy and socialism as, uh, I guess, the the right. So how how has it panned out? I I look at blue states and I look at, for example, the education in New York City, case in point. I look at I I look at law and order in in a city like New York City. And how have these liberal Democratic governors that have run these states and cities for decades, how have they done in terms of educating our kids and and maintaining law and order and safety for for its residents? I mean, look at our communities. We're dying left and right. Look at Chicago. I mean, and like you said, the 70 people that died, they don't have a name because they're irrelevant. Black Lives Matter doesn't care about that, nor do these Democrat leaders care about us when we're just out killing each other, but they care to, to speak about certain narratives when they need to get voted into office. That's why, why in, when election time happens, BLM turns up and all of these different narratives are pushed out. But now that there's no election, silent. Antifa's silent. They're all silent. But, again, it's going to be pushed 
in another four years. Also, they're going to try to push these caravans and these illegal immigrants, as well as the blacks, another four years from now. It's, just, it's a chicken circuit. When you decided to take on this film, I mean, you're a very prominent film director, uh, Martin Durkin. Um, I assume you, you knew that there, there might be pushback on some of this. Uh, are you concerned? Um, not really. I think that um, if I thought I was making a film that was, um, you know, anti-black people or something like that, I would be very, very, very concerned. Um, but the odd thing is about... BLM. I was strolling through the rushes of BLM marches, and uh, they're almost all white, you know, upper middle class college kids. They're, you know, very occasionally you will have a black face, and then suddenly the cameras will descend on this unfortunate person, and they'll become a kind of celebrity for a, a short while. But as a movement, you know, it does not appeal to, and you were saying this uh, in, uh, earlier, Sean, it, it does not appeal to a lot of working class black people. I mean, the Green New Deal, anti consumerism. Well, anti-consumerism isn't going to appeal to ordinary working-class black or white people. You know, they're enjoying, uh, you know, material prosperity for the first time in generations. They're obviously not going to be against it. Um, so, and trans rights and so on, and global warming, this does not appeal to ordinary people. So, actually, uh, you know, I felt that in, in making the film, we were attacking, actually, white socialism. I don't think there's anything worse you can call somebody, Beverlyn, than a racist. And, and the That's fact right. that that has now been weaponized and it is used so frequently as he, again, I used to say it was every two and four years. It's part of the Democratic Party's playbook. Now it seems on every issue. That's the accusation. Now, are there mm -hmm. racists in this country? Yes, there are. Uh, are most people racist? I don't believe they are. I believe most people find racism, racism, evil and repugnant. I agree. I feel like, you know, the racism card is thrown to create that smoke and mirrors to where there's no actual true solution to the problem. Let's just continue to throw out different ideas and push new programs that they can use to funnel money so that the Democrats can continue their agenda. And it's the perfect narrative. Racism. But what exactly does racism look like? Let's not address fatherlessness. Let's not address, you know, what's the height of the crime? What's the issue? Let's not address the educational issue. Let's just say racism. It's always racism, and that continues to push their narrative because they, they, they trigger our emotions, that, and they know that. You know, it's, it's just sad to me. Do you, do you see, to me, the opportunity angle is, is what's pivotal. When Donald Trump cut taxes, when he cut the bureaucracy, when he moved towards energy independence, when he when he started closing down the borders to illegal immigrants, all of a sudden more jobs became available for Americans. And then, we, you know, he's setting record low unemployment. And then the president wanted to get school choice in place. I think that would be the next best thing. Do you see a movement of African-Americans away from the Democratic Party to the Republican Party? Um, although it's a courageous move, we saw more recently what happened to Senator Tim Scott of South Carolina, who's a friend of mine, and what's happened to other prominent African-American conservatives, what happened to Clarence Thomas years ago, it's still happening. Thoughts, Beverly? Beverly. Well, the reality is this. There, there's going to be a great exodus when it comes to the Democrat Party, and I believe Biden's going to help that so much. The thing is, you don't know what you got until it's gone. And whether people didn't like Trump or not, Trump was one of the realest dudes to hit the White House. If you ever want to say a real black president, he was a real black president because Obama, was, he, he fought for more rights for the gay community than he ever did for the blacks. You know what I'm saying? 
But even in that, Obama, Trump has set such a standard that now it's like night and day. When you see what's happening, I mean, just the basic gas prices and just like we're looking at food going up higher and higher and higher. And like there's this issue where there's a bunch of unemployment. People are not working because they continue to keep feeding out these stimulus checks and this unemployment. And it's like they're setting up our economy to crash. Right. And so whether you're black, white, green or blue, you got to pay your bills. You got to feed yourself. You got to feed your family. You're going to feel the end of bad leadership. And so I do believe that with all of the narrative they push, they've actually Trump opened up the black community's eyes because whether they liked him or not, people started to look at politics. And now with Biden, our eyes are open and we're seeing the filth that's happening in the White House. And I'm telling you right now, the black community as well as other communities are running for their lives and they're going to have to run towards conservatism and actually the proper ideology when it comes to this economy in our America. Let's get a final word from our friend Martin Durkin. Martin, last word. Um, well, I'm, 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 I'm full of hope. Uh, the, the, the Democrats lost the working class, and I think that they're, they're probably going to uh, lose this, this black voters, as, as so-called black people are going to wake up and just increasingly regard themselves as just American. Well, I appreciate you both uh, being with us. Uh, we'll be looking for the movie. If people want to find it online, they've got a, a website available. Uh, and it's simple. It's called the Great American Race Game.com. We'll put it up on Hannity.com. Guys, thank you for being with us. And uh, I look forward to watching it. All right, 25 till the top of the hour, 800 Sean, you want to be a part of the program. Linda, this should make you happy. We have been proven right yet again. And that is for years, I, I first said it on air in 2007, that journalism in America is dead. It's dead. Now, the, now I actually have a real study, a report from Reuters Institute for the Study of Journalism at Oxford has found out something that was, as they write in this article in Zero Hedge, unthinkable just a few years ago. It wasn't unthinkable to us. The United States ranks dead last in media trust among 49 countries. <laughs> I don't, and tw- with only 29% saying they trust the media mob. I can't even believe it's that high. I, I, I was going to say, who's this 29%? Who are the 20? Are they sleeping? Are they watching reruns of the Golden Girls? <laughs> what they, I don't know. What did they say? The Golden Girls? The Golden Girls. Is that, is That's they, all I want. Those reruns still out, out there somewhere? Oh, my God. It's amazing. It's the best thing ever. Oh, that's hilarious. I really do. I, I can't get enough of them. You know, it's just simple stuff. Whoa, whoa, whoa. you watch this show? Oh, my God. Religiously. It's amazing. The Golden what? Girls. It's amazing. Rose. Tell me why. Well, first of all, the best part about it is I don't have to think about anything else. I'm not thinking about what's happening in the world. I'm not worried about anything. It's, you know, 20 to 30 minutes of just complete mindless TV. I love it. And it's from the 1980s. So it's like, it's, there's not, there's nothing current about it. I don't have to get stressed out when I watch it. I'm not worried if my son happens to walk into the room. Normally I have it on in the background, you know, but sometimes it comes on late at night when I'm still working. I'll, you know, I'll see B. Arthur, you know, she's about seven foot one walking in the room. I'm like, yeah, this is a good scene. You know, I like it. You know, Blanche, you know, she's all slutty. It's funny. It's a funny show. It's like the original Sex in the City. Okay, you just called the woman slutty. I don't watch the show. I have no idea. Well, I it hope- was very taboo then because she, her husband, she was a widow and she had all these dates and she was always out, you know, trying to get the next hottest guy. And it was hilarious. The show was hilarious, you know. 
Anyhow. Uh, all right. Clearly, you're times. not a fan. All right. Never mind. It's like Sex in the City. You know, it's just not a show that I could get into. I just couldn't do it. Really? I would think you'd fit right in there. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, that, that, that's straight up my alley. Unbelievable. Uh, 800-941-SEAN, our number. South Carolina, Becky. Becky, you're uh, with us. Glad you called. Thanks for uh, checking in. Hey, Sean, I'm so glad you took my call. My gosh, I listen to you every single day. Uh, I'm so thank you. Where Where in South it. Carolina are you? <laughs> we're part? in Charleston, right on I, the water. I love Charleston. Yeah. You know oh, what yeah. else I love? Hey. I love Hall's Steakhouse. Do you go there yeah. much? Yeah, we go to the we all go to all the Shim Creek uh, restaurants out on the creek and out on the water and eat seafood. So if you want to leave New York, you're more than welcome to come to Charles. Let me tell you, South We'd Carolina is a very cool state, really cool yeah. people, um, yeah, down to earth. Um, and I got to tell you, there's a lot of people now, like Florida, Texas, moving to the Carolinas. Uh, mm-hmm. Charleston's growing by leaps and bounds. You know what the biggest oh, problem for Charleston is? You can't keep the infrastructure up. If you drive into the beach, there are like people parking on on strangers' grass. It's hilarious. Yeah, yeah. There's no there's no roads. The ro- they're building new roads everywhere, trying to get th- this traffic under control, but they can't because there's too many people moving here. Uh, yeah. So. Uh, well, that, you know what? Hopefully, it's good for the economy and good for everybody in the end. Uh, and hopefully, yeah. they come up with good solutions for everybody. Right. But the reason I called. It's you know. because, I mean, I used to listen to, to uh, Rush all the time, and then you, you guys are back-to-back, and I, you know, spend yes, the whole ma'am. day on news radio, which is probably insane, but that's okay. Anyway, I've worked for 30-some years as a nurse, and we've been overseas our whole life. My husband had a government job, and he retired, and we went the other day to get We bought a boat. We wanted to take our boat to Florida. We went to find a truck. Sean, it didn't matter how much money I have. I can't find a truck in Charleston. There are you can't, no you mean, you mean like a pickup truck or a van? What yeah, kind of truck are you yeah, talking about? like a pickup truck to pull my boat with. We wanted to take the boat now because our kids So you want to buy a truck. Do you want to buy a new one or a used one? No, we wanted to buy a new one. We went to four dealerships. And finally, they tried to, they tried to get us to trade in our car. And it's 11 years old. <laughs> oh, man. And you didn't want to trade in your car? No, no. And we, we want, I mean, and I hate my... to be so, like, I have so many friends in the car business. Whenever I call them, and, you, and yeah. you're cracking me up. I, you're honestly cracking me up. You know, I, I probably can help you with this. But if I help you, then I'm going to have to help everybody else. Um, but, well, you know, you know what's wh- so bad is my, my son in Florida said in Sarasota, that the guy told them, I don't care if you have a suitcase full of money to come in here to buy a truck. You've got to trade you can't one get it. in. You've got to trade one in or we won't let you have it. Uh, now, listen, it is, is insane. What's going on with this? And my and, and you're going to pay through the new, roof. Yeah. yeah. Oh, they're asking above the sticker price for the truck. It's, a, it's called him, supply said, and demand. Yeah. Well, I said, how much are you going to come down on this truck? Oh, are you kidding me? It's going to be, you know, a couple thousand over the sticker. I've never done that. I mean, I lived through the, you know, through the Jimmy Carter years. I know, you know, 17% interest, no gas. I've done that. This 21 and a half percent in the end. All right. My, now, I would recommend you do the following. Um, and I usually say I never give financial advice. I'll t- let me just say how, what I would do. You're going to have to wait it out. 
because even used car prices, used truck prices now are up 30% on top of what you're describing with new cars. The demand is high, and unfortunately, we're not getting enough people to produce uh, enough uh, and manufacture enough new cars and trucks. In large part, they don't have the labor, or their parts suppliers, they don't have the labor. So along the along the the chain that is necessary to to produce you know the cars and trucks that they usually do they're just low the other thing you can do and it's a little sneaky i'll give you some advice look in other states and see if you can't find one there and then have it shipped to you you know what they told us in georgia we called georgia the guy said i can't sell you a truck in south carolina No, i'm talking about like call montana Call oh. <laughs> um, call Wyoming, call North Dakota, um, never, and I'm, or South Dakota. And by the way, I'm, there's no guarantee. Or the other thing you can do is try and call like a blue state. The problem is you pay the taxes in New York. It's just it makes it, you know, that's like paying five times over the normal cost. You know, so right. you're in a pick, you're in a bit of a pickle right now. The people that wanted to buy boats around us, they told them it would be a year. There's no boats for sale. You know what they said? There's a fiberglass shortage. You know what I did I with never, my boat? I gave it to one of my best friends. I said, here, you take it. A year later, he brings it back. He says, I don't want it. And I gave it to another friend. I said, here, you take it. He loves it. I, I, uh, I mean, I don't know. Is this it? I mean, I hate to be a, a you know, a, a tinfoil hat, you know, person. But is this, no. the, is, is this the Chinese uh, holding back our supplies and stuff? Are they no, trying this is to Joe get- Biden's economy, and this is this is the result of of government draconian COVID shutdowns that still exist in many parts of the country. Look, I totally sympathize with you. Try and get creative. Call a couple of other states. Check out dealers around the country and see if you can't pick up a good deal. Okay. Okay. Well, thanks for taking my call. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm. I, I. You know, it's not. It's not fun. I mean, when you want to buy something new, you get excited. You're ready to buy it, and then you can't find it, and it sucks. It's awful. Um, anyway, hang in there. <laughs> You're cracking me up. All right, uh, Jerry, Illinois. What's up, Jerry? How are you, sir? Sean, thanks for taking my talk call. Yes, sir. Yeah, listen, uh, I was a cop, retired for 26 years and veteran, but I haven't heard anything about said about all these guns that are running across the border, borders wide open, and, you know, they won't let ICE arrest anybody, and then they want to take our guns away. Well, um... That's pretty much you're describing the liberal agenda. And I think it would be good if somebody, you know, said more about it. Maybe it would slow them down a little bit. I don't know if anything is going to slow them down, but I don't want to. I'm not giving my guns to them. You know, I'll tell you, if you cannot believe because it is now a passion. Democrats don't want any verification for voting. They want full and complete redistribution. They want all, everything gonna, is going to be free. And then they, they look us in the eye and they tell us, oh, you're, as long as you don't make $400,000 a year, you're not going to pay a penny in new taxes. I'm like, I mean, it, they know that they're lying. It is a lie. It's always been a lie. Socialism is rooted in lies. And it's, you know, and we're beginning to see as quickly as you can possibly see I mean, this guy was only sworn into office not that long ago. January 20th. It's now June 29th. 
uh, and the damage is already, you know, deep and, and wide. Thank you for serving your country, and thank you for protecting and serving your community as a law enforcement officer, sir. Hang in there. Uh, yeah, okay. guns are being trafficked. trafficked. You know, it's I'm, I'm not worried with the 99% of Americans that are law-abiding citizens having guns. Uh, I have a collection, I would argue, pretty much second to none. Linda, was that a fair statement? Absolutely. Um, and, I, and I constantly have to make sure that everything is New York compliant. Everything. You have no idea how much extra money you have to pay to get, get, to, to get certain weapons compliant with New York State. But I follow every law. I dot every I. I cross every T. And I just happen to be a gun collector. I'm, I, we tell you about Henry repeating arms. I mean, I love Henry's. They're great, great firearms. Um, you get great shotguns, great rifles. Just go to henryusa.com. I think I now, I just got two new Henrys. I think I'm up to eight now. I love them. They're awesome. Anyway, good call. Appreciate it, Jerry. Uh, let's say hi to Margo is smarter than all of us living in Florida. How are you, Margo? What part of Florida? Hi, Sean. I'm from Middleburg. It's great. Where's, Middle, where's Middleburg? I don't know where Middleburg is. Um, south of Orange Park. Okay. I know where Middleburg is now. <laughs> I know exactly where you are. Anyway, glad you called. What's on your mind? Thank you. You were talking about the momentum of the 2022 election. And um, I've been thinking a lot about it these last few days after hearing what you were saying. And I'm nervous because even in my little town of Middleburg, the 2020 election, you could feel the momentum. Every weekend there were Trump parades up and down the boulevard and you couldn't pull into a store where there weren't Trump stickers everywhere. I'm still proud to say I have mine on the back of my vehicle. And I believe the election was stolen. They facilitated this deal. They got away with it with no repercussions. So how do you think things are going to be different in 2022? Here's what you can say for certain. Laws weren't followed. For example, partisan observers were not allowed to observe. They took advantage of COVID and they said, no, you got to watch from 100 feet away. That 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 basically negated that law. We know that you can't have two systems of voting like they did in Georgia. One very lax standards for mail in ballots and then one very rigorous standard for in-person voting. They had that happen. We know that Pennsylvania's Constitution does not allow for mail in balloting. And yet the legislature bypassed their own state constitution rather than follow the legal path, which would have been to have a constitutional amendment. We know from the 4-3 decision, a stinging rebuke by the chief justice in Wisconsin of the state Supreme Court in Wisconsin, 4-3 decision that laws weren't followed in Wisconsin. Same with Michigan as it relates to in-person voting versus absentee. Uh, and that's why I have identified if we as a country, if we want integrity in our election process and we want confidence in the results moving forward, we need picture, voter ID, signature, verification, chain of custody control that both sides get to monitor any ballots as they come in. Uh, we need updated voter rolls every single election to keep integrity in the system. And partisan observers need to observe. If we do those five things, I believe we can have integrity 
in our election process and confidence in the results. Those things didn't happen in 2020. Does that make sense? It makes sense. It makes scary sense, and I'm ready to take it back in 2022. I just hope you're right. All right. Appreciate the call. Thanks, Margo. Glad you joined us. All right, that's going to wrap things up for today. Preview of our border trip tomorrow with President Trump and uh, Governor Greg Abbott. Uh, but also, we've got crime all over the place. Uh, AOC says it's hysteria. Democrats now claim no Republicans want to defund the police. Uh, okay, I'm not sure what alternative reality they're living in. We'll get to all of it. Ted Cruz, Dan Bongino, Dr. Nicole Sapphire, Jim Jordan, uh, the great one, Mark Levin, Lindsey Graham, Larry, and Leo. 9 Eastern, Hannity, Fox News. We'll see you then. Back here tomorrow. We'll see you tonight. Thanks for being with us.